Welcome to Choices, the podcast that allows you to simply be. I'm Vidya Bella and my job is to help you think about things a little bit differently, to help you cope with those challenges in life that may be affecting your happiness or performance and hopefully provide you with some clarity in your decision making. In this week's episode, I'll be exploring how relationship habits have evolved over the past year. With it becoming almost impossible to make deep and meaningful connections in person, are people finding it harder to make those same type of connections when meeting on platforms like Zoom and Microsoft Teams? Or are we adapting to a different way of connecting? So this week, I'm looking at our connections. We have really had to evolve this last year, haven't we? Every which way our social interactions have really been challenged and tested. I remember two years ago being introduced to the world of Zoom and thinking, this is all right, but there's only ever use for it, you know, when you really can't make a meeting and you you can't do that face-to-face contact. But never like a billion others across the globe did I think that I'd be using it daily in the way that I've had to. And I've had to become reliant on this virtual connecting in order to keep my practice going. Like others, I've had to pivot from offering that largely face-to-face service to a virtual one. It's a question that I get posed a lot when I'm in those business network meetings and people ask me how I'm finding working this way, given that my job is all about reading and understanding people and where they're at with their things. And in truth, I find I'm working a lot harder to really listen to someone. You know, those nuances in body language and those subtle physiological shifts that people make from crossing legs or folding arms. You know, they're so much harder to observe via a screen because, well, you just can't see, can you? But it's funny, reflecting this way, you know, many Many of the cases I see, I'm making more meaningful relationships because of that extra effort that I've had to put in. I'm engaging with people in an altogether different way and asking perhaps more pertinent questions in order to get a different kind of clarity that I would perhaps just ordinarily observe. I know I've actually built lots of relationships this year with people just not in my locality even. And that's because I have been forced into this virtual space. I've had to seek out that connectivity with others in a way that would have really seemed alien to me the year before last. Lots of connections I really value right now are actually with the people that I've never even really met in reality. And how can that be possible? Well, I put that down to that effort to get to know a person a lot more. Because virtually people are, they can be actually less inhibited because they're in their own territory, there's less perceived threat, there's, there's a safety that we can experience about communication and it's a, there's, there can be a different honesty or authenticity which can prevail because of it. And after all, if you're finding it uncomfortable, the nice thing about this virtual world is that you can just exit if it's not working out and just blame it on technology. So did you see the video clips of um, Jackie Weaver the other week at some meeting to just show how disinhibition works when you don't feel inhibited, when you feel comfortable because you're in your own space to act in ways that are truthful and honest. So in a really strange way for me, with all the woes this pandemic has created, 
it's created opportunities for other connections that I'm really grateful for. And for those listening, you'll know who you are. And as I was thinking about this theme for this week, my attention then turned to those who perhaps are in a a long distance relationship or those trying to find a relationship. How these times have altered that course of interaction. One-to-one interaction, of course, has its place. But you can only ever really understand what a person may be genuinely like when in social groups. Do they play a role? Are they genuine? Or do they act depending on who they are around? If you're the type of person that usually lights up a room when you enter it, how is that conveyed via a screen? And those people who really rely on their presence in a room, how do they convey that? And and I'm thinking about educators here, like how hard it must be for them right now, really going from that energetic interaction to now just talking lots to the screen. That feedback loop and that interactive energy in classrooms has been disrupted and is really different. And creating impact with children that is engaging suddenly feels different and the game changes when you switch to virtual. I certainly notice with some of my younger clients, it really feels sometimes hard work because in person they'd be sharing more readily, would be doing different things and I'd have a greater scope for that observation. And thinking, you know, along the lines of observation, I was thinking about, you know, how much our journey with virtual connectivity has evolved in this time. In lockdown one, if I look back, the aim was very much to maintain connections that had been interrupted. We were meeting people regularly online socially with Zoom quizzes and regular virtual drinks, meetups for clubs, for crafts, choirs, all sorts. Are we now, as we get into the thick of lockdown three, are we just now fatigued with being online, especially if you're working and you're in lots of these virtual interactive meetings, you may be experiencing a fatigue from excessive screen time and that extra effort to tune in. And I wonder, are we seeing less online socialising? Because in fact, we just want to get back to real people and connection of of a primal kind. Anyway, that's my take on things. But I thought it would be far better and and helpful to talk to somebody who really knows about communication. Debbie Cap is an experienced international public speaker, trainer and journalist who uses her trade secret tips and techniques to help you look, sound and feel confident when you're on screen to help you overcome your nerves and inject style, power and personality into your performance. So hi Debbie, welcome, welcome to the Choices podcast. Well, it's lovely to be here, Vidya. Thank you very much for inviting me to talk about this with you. Oh, you're most welcome. I couldn't think of someone better, really. So diving straight in, how much harder do you think it is to make an impact on screen than in person? Well, I think it's very much harder. What people have to understand is that we are two-dimensional on screen. This is the absolutely fundamental difference. We've lost a dimension. We, uh, it sounds crazy because, of course, we're not there in person. But the difference that that makes is phenomenal and one that people really underestimate. The difference, the information that we get from that personal presence is so vital. 
And because of that, the sound and vision, which is what the only other things that we're left with, have to make up for it and they have to work really hard. Mm, yeah. You're telling me, <laughs> and even as we're <laughs> and even as we're talking now, I'm thinking, wouldn't it be different if we were in person and having this conversation? There's there's so much so much more to it. So whilst you might be able to give people a glimpse of your personality, do you think it's harder to connect with people at that deeper level on these kind of platforms? Oh, again, indeed, it is. Uh, it's very very difficult. But I think what people really need to understand is why that is and what they can do about it. Fundamentally, because we're not physically there, and you've got to remember that you only see uh, the top. Well, it's not even a third. It's sort of from shoulders up. Now, the rest of the body, when it's physically visible, I mean, that's, that's the other thing. It's not that we're just not there. You're just not seeing the whole person. And body language is absolutely crucial. The number of clues that we give and get from body language is remarkable. And because in a, a screenshot here, we've only got from the shoulders up. You, you can't really even make hand gestures. Mm. You can, but it looks actually as if you're, you know, working puppets without the, the puppets <laughs> on them. So you've got the hands coming up. So really, it's just the face. It's the face and the voice, which are so crucial. Now, let's just look back to remember when we saw the whole person. We see how they walk, how they come in. We see how they sit. We see, you know, whether they're restless in the seat. Well, okay, you can see if somebody's wriggling about. But you cannot tell very much at all from this top third of the person. And this is why people need to understand it. So if you want to make those connections, you've got to be able to give those clues in that top half of your body somehow. And that's mostly, as I said, face and head. So those sorts of things. This is why it's so crucial to understand. Mm. So what can we do to bridge that gap, do you think, where we can't maybe gesticulate? It looks it looks a bit odd or to alter things to bridge that gap. What kind of things can we do? Well, the first thing is you've got to think about who you're talking to. Never mind what you can do and, you know, physically, we mm -hmm. can talk about that in a minute. There's all sorts of gestures and ways, but let's think about the planning for the meeting. Because again, a lot of people don't think about this, whether it's a business meeting or a personal meeting. Mm. So you've got to think about the other person. What are they thinking and feeling? Because it's no good just focusing on how you think and feel at the time. You've got to think about them. Now, imagine first dates. Most people are anxious about that. Um, and the same with business meetings. The first time you meet a business associate, there, there's a, you know, sort of an etiquette, isn't there? You know, mm. and you sort of greet and meet and so on. And one of the first things that people don't do is make eye contact. Making eye contact is absolutely fundamental. And we'll get back to that in a minute because we're, we're still looking at thinking about, but you were saying, what can they actually do? And there are several techniques, which I'll go through in a minute. But if you think about how your audience, whether it's one person or whatever it is, thinking and feeling at that moment, you will be able to change what you're going to say and make it relevant to them so they can relate to it much more. Rather than blah, 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 blah in about all what you want to say, ask questions. You should do this in person as well, but it's so much more important when you're face-to-face -face on screen because yeah. that sort of thing is making conversation, is asking questions 
It's not a monologue. Absolutely crucial. Uh, yeah, that so resonates with me because in my practice, I'm I'm now helping people online, and I need to ask very different questions and really listen in in a different way to them. Where ordinarily face to face, I'd just be picking up the vibe. I I have to reach out for that information. Absolutely, mm. absolutely. And you used a wonderful word there. You used the word listen. Now, when we're actually with somebody physically there, actually, we don't really listen that much because we get enough information from other sources, Mm. um, from the way they're looking, the way they're acting uh, and moving and so on. But active listening is a skill that people really, really need to use and well develop. When you listen and you hear something, pick up on it and then ask more questions from what that person has said. And that way you really do engage so much deeper. Mm. So you were saying you were saying earlier about eye contact and you were going to come back to further things that we could do or enhance. Talk about that. Absolutely. Well, there, there, here's some little techniques that will really help get those relationships going. Now, the first one we, we've said is, is eye contact. Now, a lot of people don't know where their little camera is on their device. Now, most of them, there's a little light on and that's a clue. Now, on a laptop or a desktop, it's usually at the top of the screen. Now, and that's a bit awkward because most people look down at the screen Mm -hmm. to see the person. But no, the lens is the nose of the face that you should be looking at. If you look at it like that, and I always tell people when I'm training them to do this, to cut out two little eyeballs, make little eyeballs on pieces of paper and stick them either side of the lens. That way, that is the face that they should be looking at not down at the person on the screen. Now, an awful lot of people when I'm telling them, they say, oh, but I've got to look at the face. I've got, and I'm saying, why? Now, I know we're talking about non-verbals and we've got to check and, and so on. But you know what it's like if you go into a room and you meet someone, you extend your hand to shake hands and you smile because that's lovely and that's a, a gesture of welcome. And then you look them in the eyes as you're doing it. Can you imagine what it feels like shaking hands with someone and looking away while you're doing it? What? Can you imagine the impact that has? Mm. I mean, it just, it means you don't really want to be there. It's rather rude. It's, I mean, you'd never do that face to face because making eye contact is the first gesture of welcome and acceptance. Mm. Now on screen, if you come even try and you're looking at the person, but you're looking at the screen, not their eyes at the lens, it's exactly the same thing. So you have to learn this technique. Now, so a lot of people say, I can't do that. I've got to look down. No, most people are drivers. Here's the thing. When you learn to drive, they say, you keep your eyes on the road, look through the windscreen, don't take your eyes off the road. And you think, well, that's fair enough. That's good. Uh, I can do that. Then they say, "Um, what about the rear view mirror? And you think, oh, no, hang on a minute. I can't take my eyes off the road. I'll hit a bus and kill people Uh, up there. And then they say two side mirrors. And you go, no, no, it's bad enough with the rear view mirror, but not. Now, I don't know how long it takes you to get the technique. You flick round and and you you keep your eyes on the windscreen, obviously, most of the time, but you flick around. And it doesn't take people very long. And I can guarantee any experienced driver now never gives it a moment's thought as they're driving on, oh, now I need to look in my rear view mirror. They're doing it automatically (laughs) and they're, they're side mirror. And this is why it's a whole new set of skills when you're on screen. You must learn to talk and look through the lens 
but flick down and just check what the person's doing. Make sure they're still there, actually. That's quite important. But, you know, and try and monitor their body language. But bearing in mind, we're not monitoring the whole body. We're just monitoring the face and the upper body. We're not having to watch everything, you know, whether they're playing with a pen or kicking their feet or, you know, whatever they're doing. So you don't have to watch in the same way as when they're physically there. Now, the other things, apart from the eye contact, Mm. is nodding. Nodding, smiling. Smiling is absolutely crucial. And the angle of your head. You know, if I said to people when I'm doing training courses, you know, give me some examples of negative body language or negative non-verbals. And they'll say arms folded, you know, slumped down, looking away, that sort of thing. I say, okay. And now some positive uh, examples. And they say nodding, smiling and sitting upright. Mm. Because you've never seen a really interested person slumped down with their arms, you know, sort of hunched up and, you know, their head drooping. And I've never seen a really miserable person sitting up and alert. So whatever little tiny bit of your body is showing, which is your head and your neck, you have to use that to convey as much as you possibly can. And at this point, I just, I'm correcting my posture, correcting my, <laughs> the slant of my head, and I'm looking at the green button. I'm not looking at Debbie. I'm glancing, merely glancing every so often at the rear view mirror of Debbie's Absolutely. Face. Well, the more you practice, the easier it gets. And, and the more people will relate because engagement and keeping engagement, because that's the other thing, keeping concentration online on screen is so difficult, mm. which is why, again, you need to change your pace of tone. Uh, I suddenly will do something in a presentation. I'll uh, bring in a, some sort of prop or, or something. Now, you can't do that, especially if you're you know, on, a, on a dating call or something, because you know, that will make you look completely bonkers. But changing your pace and tone and pausing and then asking questions and breaking it up. Don't make it a monotone that just goes on and on at the same tone of voice because, I mean, that would drive people bonkers. It It just won't work. Yeah, because I I was thinking also about even the teaching profession and educators, they are having to learn a new skill and teaching online in this way. It's it's a different kind of engagement because you don't necessarily have feedback in the way that you'd ordinarily have. I think that's the problem as well. You've absolutely hit it on the head there, the feedback. And you, again, you're looking for clues. You're looking for information all the time, which when the person is physically there, whether it's business or a personal relationship type of of situation, you are getting clues and information all the time. Whereas on screen, it's very difficult. Now, one of the biggest things, and this doesn't necessarily obviously happen in a personal relationship situation, you don't normally share the screen. But you know with death by PowerPoint, well, when people say, can I share the screen, my heart sinks, (laughs) absolutely plummets to the ground. Because what people haven't learned yet is the technique to use the screen screen um, like they some well most people have learned to use PowerPoint you, you don't put up all the slides and then just run through them all the time and because when you do that the picture of you goes boop up into the top mm. corner doesn't it you lose engagement with the speaker now the secret is to put up one slide and the maximum number of words you should have on a slide uh, or obviously an exciting picture or something is about three. But what people do as they started with PowerPoint years ago, they put up their whole script Mm. and then they read it out. I mean, you know, (laughs) great. Why 
why bother being there at all? Why don't you just send them the, the information and a handout? And So what you need to do is put one screen shot up at a time, one slide, and then ping back. And so you're there full in speaker view uh-huh. and re-engaged because I can guarantee within 20 seconds of people sharing the screen and putting up the first slide and starting to read it out, if you check and you go on gallery view and you or, or whatever and you watch, people are doing their emails or they're mm-hmm. on their phones, they will not be listening to you because there is no engagement. Mm-hmm. So death by sharing your screen, oh, please. <laughs> Come on, get with the program. Get with the program. This is not the way forward. (laughs) (laughs) There's a personal appeal uh, from Debbie Cat. Please do not share your screen with with your script and then read it out. This is a campaign in the making. Come on, Debbie. I th- well, so eventually, I mean, people still, when they're using PowerPoint, they still do make the, the fundamental mistakes and saying things like, you probably can't see this from the back, but they still put the thing up and it's <laughs> word for word, you know, top to bottom, side to side, all words. Yeah. But on yeah. screen, it's even worse because nobody has to pay attention. You can click your screen off. You can do mm. all manner of things. They're not quite so obvious, perhaps, as doing that, but there's no compulsion to pay attention. Your job as a, as, a, as a presenter or as somebody just speaking on a one-to-one is to keep the other person engaged. Yeah. And it's about creating that impact, isn't it? As you said, in the business arena, people buy from people and where that social interaction happened, where we'd perhaps meet people for coffee or for dinner to, to kind of close a deal or to talk business... We can't really do that so readily. So creating that impact and being impactful, how do we really deepen that connection? Because we understand that, yes, it's not the same as as meeting a person face to face. So as engaging as we might be on this virtual medium, how can we create that impact? So we so we leave that impression with somebody. That was really well, we long-winded. Tr- that was really long-winded, but I think you get what I'm talking about. I absolutely do. I absolutely do. We have to try harder. We just have to try harder with our language. As I said, the only thing that we've got is our sound and vision to mm. get our personality over or our points or, or our opinions or whatever, or the impression. And there's only so much you can do visually. Having a, a, a full facial um, isn't going to change what, what I look like. Um, you know, but and so, so, you know, you, you are what you are. You can make the best of yourself. And that's the other thing, you know, make, make an effort. A lot of people, I see them coming on these business calls and they really do look as if they literally just got out of bed. And, you know, they've got the old T-shirt on that they had yesterday, hair's all rumpled. And everything. Well, you know, you ask yourself, would you want to do business with this person? And the answer is no. Mm. So everything has to create the impression that you want to get over. So your, uh, your appearance, and the words you use, the words have to yeah. be much more meaningful and the expressions. And it's, it's so difficult because you have only got that one medium to mm. get your message across. So I think, you know, how do you be honest and open uh, with, with people? That's, that's a key to, to it as well, because your integrity has to come over. Your genuineness has to yeah. come over. And, and sometimes... It's not soul bearing and certainly not on a first encounter, but how would you like people 
to come over to you. That's the way to think of it as well. Mm-hmm. It's, again, we're thinking about our audience. We're not thinking about yourself all the time. You know, how, how, would, how would I feel if you know, I was talking to this person? You know, how, how does it come over? Yeah. Is it, does it sound egotistical? Does it sound I'm just talking about myself all the time? How, how would it be hitting them? How would it be received by them? And once you think about that, mm. it's easier to think about what you want to say and how to get it over. So that was really interesting to hear because do you think then that people, when we come out of all this, they will be intuitively more empathetic? So consider things, how they might come across from another perspective. Well, I'm very much hoping so. I think people who found that they're not achieving the the end results that they want, either not getting the business that they want or finding the relationships or people aren't just understanding them, they will be intuitive enough to realise that they've got to work harder and they will have practised those skills, I think, there will always, I'm smiling now because I'm thinking of certain uh, dating situations I've been in where probably if I'd said maybe three or four words in the whole encounter, I was doing well. There will always be people who, who don't quite understand that communication is a two-way process. But I think with this experience and people wondering perhaps why people are understanding and they're not getting the results and they will test things out and they've had long enough to test it out and to continue doing so because I think we will be working on screen for quite some time. So I'm hoping that those skills will start to develop and people will become a little bit more adept at Mm. listening, the active listening and tuning into their audience, whether it's one or 101. Yeah, yeah. Going back to something you mentioned earlier, so we were talking about language. What are, how important are things like sound and tone and, and pace of, of speech in, in our online interactions? Well, it's absolutely crucial because, again, going back to the fact that we are only two-dimensional, so we've got uh, the, the vision, we, we're talking about the non-verbals and so on, but we, we've, the sound is absolutely crucial. Um, the tone of voice is a really good tool, you know, the softness of it or the excitement of it and, you know, showing people your passion. Uh, I, I have a lot of energy when I do presentations and people say, I love your energy. Now, how do you project energy? How do you project enthusiasm? And that's with speed, that's pace, tone, changing. And sometimes, you know, if I want to be conspiratorial, I'll whisper a little bit and <laughs> make people think, oh, what is going on now? Or so the tone and the pace, but also the actual words, the language. Let's not be lazy. Let's think about the words that you really want to convey the meaning of. Because at the moment, it's just the words have to carry very much more weight than they would normally because you've got no backup evidence. When you've got the person present, you've got, remember all that, I use it, backup evidence and and information coming in, all that feedback. But um, if you've just got the sound and vision, then you must use the words and the language to its greatest impact. Mm, Yeah, that definitely, again, resonates with me. I have to, even in my sessions, really change things up and make it interesting. Otherwise, I've I've lost their listening from their perspective totally. 
But that that's right. But when you're talking about listening, you see, if you listen and you hear somebody say a particular word and you say, oh, that's really interesting. Mm. Now, what, just tell me a bit more about, you know, whatever the word was. And you said, you know, you, sometimes you, you, you like adventurous things or you get bored easily. Well, what, what makes you bored then? And, mm. you know, when you say bored and, and, you know, probe a bit more, don't just take that as a superficial uh, first uh, sentence, you know, probe deeper and yeah. that will help them explain things and express themselves better and actually give you a better understanding of what they mean because we, we all we, we do all speak the same sort of language but you know that if if you use a word sometimes it has a much more extraordinary meaning than, than another one and just checking out that you've understood it right gives you that chance to ask a question and that reinforces the engagement again yeah So those people who might be struggling with building those deeper connections online, because when when we first started to do this on a more regular basis, I know some people were feeling camera shy and a bit hesitant and and reticent Mm. about using this medium. So, you know, for those people who are struggling to engage with this, what tips or, or suggestions have you got for for building that confidence and to have those deeper relationships online? Well, there's a number of things people can do. The first is to make sure that they've got their tips, uh, techniques right for working on screen and that they're comfortable with that. And they can practice. They can practice with a, a friend, just having Zoom conversations. And I often suggest they have a Zoom buddy, uh, an on-screen buddy. And that's just to make sure that you get the techniques right so that you are looking at the screen and you can say to the person, uh, am I looking at you now? Um, how's the lighting? Because that's one thing we haven't actually uh, covered video is, is lighting. Absolutely crucial. Now, I've got a clip-on light on my PC and I've also got a little side table lamp as well. Now, that's in addition to the spotlights above me. Now, the reason that I need to be lit it's not because I want people to see me in the best light, but I need actually to be lit properly because if people can't see part of your face, they don't engage. And if they can't see your eyes, we've gone back to the importance of eye contact. That's even more important. And also some people do have hearing disabilities or problems. You know, it's just a little bit difficult. And there are lip readers, people who not necessarily deaf, but they actually mm. lip read. It helps their hearing. Now, if the lighting isn't good enough for them to actually see your face, that's a real problem. So lighting is a, a really important feature. So get a, a, an on-screen buddy, uh, check out and practice your technique on screen. And then what I would suggest, obviously, I mean, it's what I do for a living because I work with people from all walks of life and all stages in their career to to help them uh, achieve communication goals, you know, whether it's on a personal level or if it's a business level. And if you get a little bit of professional help, you can test out things uh, you know, friends and family, they may never really give you the the exact truth. They you know, try trying to be kind or they don't like to say certain things aren't right or whatever. I, it's not that I'm not kind, but I, I am professionally uh, able to give feedback and, mm. and help people improve on their skills. So it, it is important to get a little bit of help, perhaps, and especially with confidence, mm. because confidence really underpins everything. And if you're not a confident 
presenter or speaker anyway. And let's be let's be absolutely straightforward about this. The majority of people really don't welcome public speaking. And this is what it is, whether it's one or 101, this is public mm-hmm. speaking mm-hmm. on screen. And next to the fear of dying, the fear of public speaking is the biggest fear we humans have. It's even got its own title. It's called glossophobia. And the majority of people would rather not do it mm. and be projected into having to do it. Um, in fact, one of, my, one of my clients recently, when I, I sent my little form through just to get a little bit of background about mm. some of the issues and so on, and they said, uh, public speaking, dash, I would rather gnaw my own arm off. <laughs> and um, that You know, and that was genuine. And I've had clients who are physically sick before they have to present or just go on screen. I mean, there are extremes, but most people are not comfortable. It is not our natural environment. It's that whole fear of judgment, isn't it? What, how might I come across? What might people see that I don't want them to see? How do I express myself? Am I expecting? expressing myself properly and it's like going back to what you said it's all very self 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 me 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 but actually the person that you're engaging with wants to hear what you have to say is welcoming that if you allow yourself confidence is a it's a funny that's right that's that's absolutely perfectly put and the the, the point is with any presentation and Let's be clear that when you're on screen, it is a presentation, even though you're just being yourself, you're presenting yourself. That is uncomfortable for a lot of people, but it has to be done because this is the way we are at the moment. Certainly ongoing may may well be for quite some time. So getting the confidence to present effectively and, and get your message over. The key aspect I said is thinking about your audience, whether it's one or 101. And if you do that, it takes the emphasis off you. It gives your brain something much more important to do than thinking about, oh, you know, I don't like my nose or, oh, I don't like the way my voice comes over or, or am I going to do that? You know, if you start really thinking about the other person, then it changes the whole perspective of your approach. Mm. Awesome. Great tips there. Brilliant, Debbie. Thank you so much for sharing. Tell us a little bit more about where people can find you if they want to get in touch. Well, I've got a website, which is www.onscreenskills.co.uk. That's all one word, onscreenskills.co.uk. And that's got all my details on. Or my um, email is simply my name, Debbie at Debbie Cat. That's two T's on cat.com. That's Debbie at Debbie Cat. Dot com. And I'm absolutely thrilled to talk to people to see what we can do. Some people come to me and have a short course of activities with me, maybe just a one-off, a couple of hour sessions, something like that. Other people, I've actually had one client who's been with me for 11 years. Now that's not because she's a slow learner or I'm a bad teacher. It's just because we developed a, a business development relationship over the years and it went from the original speaking uh, training uh, and went into a business coaching uh, environment but uh, everything in between so just get hold of me have a chat see what we can do 
Oh, that's lovely. Thank you so much for sharing so openly and warmly with us some great ideas and real good suggestions for how we are going to navigate this time in our virtual world. Thank you for sharing. My absolute pleasure. Everybody's in the same situation at the moment and I'd just love to help as many people as I can make the most of it because we are on screen. Therefore, we need to know what we're doing and make the best of it. Oh, thanks, Debbie. So whilst we might be learning to build deeper connections virtually, we're clearly having to work harder to create those meaningful connections. Once we get back to socialising in person, will our communication skills come out a lot better as a result? Will we have enhanced our active listening skills, taken our understanding of others and the means to engage to a whole different level? Just join me this week and practice some of those tips that Debbie shared. Sit up straight and look directly into the camera. Don't be shy now. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Choices Podcast. Please like, subscribe and review. If you've got any topics that you'd like me to include in future episodes, drop me an email to choices at vividoutcomes.co.uk. And if you'd like to find out what I'm up to when I'm not podcasting, then head over to vividoutcomes.co.uk. I'll catch you next week.